You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Woman, Badass, and Unfiltered Podcast. Your host, Olivia here, and I have, we're officially in season 10, guys. I'm super pumped, and I'm so honored to start the season 10 off with my fourth TEDx speaker ever featured on the Empowered Woman, Badass, and Unfiltered. Her name is Christina Rico, and she was born with a um, bilateral cleft lip palate, cleft lip and palate. Um, Today, she's going to be talking about building resilience, self-confidence, self-existence, self-acceptance, and how she learned to overcome the challenges of living with a cleft lip and palate to become the person she is today. And when I say this woman is accomplished, like you don't just like become a TEDx speaker, okay? (laughs) But not only that, she's she's an entrepreneur. She has helped out so many different communities all over the world, all over the world, and here here she is today. So, Christine, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Olivia. I'm really excited to be here. I appreciate it. Awesome. So, I just want to know, like, what made you so, what made confidence such a big thing for you to talk about? Wow, that's a really great question. I, growing up, I didn't have any confidence I thought I did and that's the irony looking back now if somebody says oh you're not a confident person I would have you know dismissed and says no I have plenty of confidence I'm, I'm empowered I'm strong I can do whatever I want but what I realized now as an adult and with all of the work on myself is that I was really I was faking it I brought new meaning to the term fake it till you make it because I was in such denial about my cleft and palate, and I kept telling myself I was normal and I refused to talk about it. It was my coping mechanism mm. to really believe that I had more confidence than I did. But looking back now, I realized I didn't. You know, specific examples were I was always, uh, as my therapist loves to put it, tap dancing for what I thought everybody else wanted me to be. And as a result, I didn't know who I was because I was whatever my mother wanted me to be, the perfect daughter, or if I was in a relationship, whatever my my partner wanted me to be, the perfect partner, or in a job, whatever I thought they wanted me to be. So I I didn't have any of my own identity. But I thought because I was doing that, I was confident enough. I wasn't really afraid to talk to people. But what I realized, again, was I had terrible social anxiety. I just hid it behind almost being like a permanent full-time actor which I didn't even know I was acting. And as a result, when I was finally out on my own after my mother passed and I was divorced and I had nobody telling me or no role to fill, I didn't know who I was. And that's when it was like my world came crashing down and I realized, wow, I really have no confidence. I was so afraid to do things, afraid to talk to people, afraid to be myself and be vulnerable because it was always, well, what if they don't like me? Or what if that's not who, who they want me to be? And it really, it was really kind of a difficult 
realization to come to. But once I worked through that and I realized that the importance is being myself and figuring out who I am, I started to rebuild that confidence through a lot of work on myself, a lot of therapy, group therapy, and finding some cornerstones that helped me get back to the point of being confident, asking for what I want, setting boundaries, wanting to manage and acknowledge my emotions, which is something I never did. And, you know, as a result, that's how I decided to go ahead and start helping others build their own confidence. I have so many, I'm, I'm already getting so many notes. I like to take <laughs> notes. So this is- That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay. So I can relate to like the people pleasing because I used to be a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like to say I'm a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> like- like there's still some parts of me that it's like, because I work, I work in the food and beverage industry. I'm, I'm now in management at a fine dining restaurant. So of course it's always about, you know, making things um, the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, and always, you know, going above and beyond for guests, but in my personal life too, I've had to learn like setting those boundaries are so important. Mm-hmm. Um. I love how you talked about, you know, the increased anxiety that you had because you were suppressing your real emotions. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to have anxiety. I'm not saying that, that, that was like the one end all be all, but I know that when you're, you're constantly masking yourself and not acknowledging your emotions that will cause increased anxiety as well, because Mm -hmm. now you're so worried about other people's opinions because you're, you get your validation and your source from outside of yourself. Um, exactly. and, and like really diving deep into finding your identity. I want to talk about that, but you know, and, and how you shifted from not caring so much about other people's opinions, you know, how did you, yes. I've got my methods on how I've shifted, <laughs> but I really want to know what, what did you do to stop caring about other people's opinions so much? Oh, that's a big question. And it's, it's still hard at times, but the, I mean, it's a lot easier than it used to be. And the biggest thing I did was I stopped being afraid of rejection. And I stopped being afraid of what they thought of me because I, once I realized who I was and I became confident in who I was, I realized that if they don't like me, if they have a different opinion of me, if they have a negative opinion of me, it's not going to affect who I know I am in my heart and in my soul. And it's not going to affect what I do. I know how I treat people. I know what I stand for. And their opinion of me, it's like one of my favorite quotes that I learned when I was working on myself was by RuPaul. And he said, other people's opinions are none of my business. And when I heard that and at first, it took me a while to really take that in and realize that. But when I really took it to heart, I was like, you know, he's right. He's such a smart person and he's right. I mean, they can have their opinion. They can share it with me. But what I do with it is my choice. And not letting it affect me because I still know who I am. It was like, it opened up a whole new world for me. It gave me freedom that I never knew existed. I I heard Lisa Nichols actually say that, that same one too. Other people's Mm -hmm. views of me are none of my business. Um, and, And that also, that is one that, that helped me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, stop being afraid of rejection. How is that for, for the listeners that that are like, man, that's 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 really hard. Like, how do you just stop doing that? <laughs> yeah. Like, how yeah. how do you it's, 
it's definitely a loaded uh, a loaded statement because as someone with a facial difference, all I ever wanted and all those of us with facial differences want is to be accepted, is to be part of the community, to be treated as a normal person. And we face so much rejection that to stop being afraid of it, it's like it's in our DNA almost. We can't not be afraid of rejection because we've learned to expect it so much. So mm -hmm. for me to stop being afraid of rejection was to realize that I don't need other people and I don't need others to validate who I am. I know who I am. I know what I do. I know what I stand for. I don't need them. I don't need their acceptance and their approval. I want it. There's times I desperately want it, but there's a difference between want and need. And once you can really get clear on that difference between want and need, Again, it's like a whole new world and you realize freedom because then you're not controlled by that want. Or, yeah, you're not controlled by the want. You're then controlled by the need. And with a need comes choice. You know, it's like put it in something that everybody can relate to, uh, weight management. And we know that we shouldn't eat sugar or excess amount of chocolate because it's bad for us, even though we love chocolate. You can want the chocolate, but you don't really need it. Or maybe you do need it at times to help you feel better but you don't want it. So identifying the differences between the two helps you get that clarity and it helps you make the right decision. I love that. The, I love mm -hmm. the difference between want and need. Mm -hmm. I don't think we ever really need the, the chocolate personally. I don't, <laughs> but, but, right. but I will totally eat it because I want it. <laughs> yes, I will, I'm absolutely. not. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yes. And it's the same way with acceptance. Yes, mm -hmm. as humans, we need that connection. We need that acceptance to an extent, but we can get that acceptance from within. Yeah. Because if we have our self-acceptance, and that was the other thing that I worked on on myself with, was if we have that self-acceptance, then we don't need it from anyone else. We can want it and we can go out and seek it, but then we can go out and look for it in a much healthier way. You know, not, and this is something that I struggled with, not getting into an, a, a relationship just because you want to be in a relationship, mm. but getting it, I mean, not getting it because you, you, you know, you have that need, you want to, but getting into it because you wanted to fulfill your different reasons behind that. Yeah. So that's how I always look at it now. Yeah. Because when you feel like you need a relationship and you don't even really know that person, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't really know exactly. that person until you're in a relationship with them. And when you feel like you need them, to, mm -hmm. make, to like validate you then yes you also realize like that's so codependent yes and that's that's not healthy and you'll you'll put up with some stuff that you don't really you know need to put up with when exactly. you think that you need them and <laughs> like that's, that's exactly. not and that was, you know, not to get too much off track, but that was my whole, I had a 10 year marriage and it was an abusive marriage. And that was my whole marriage. I got, I, I got married because my mother was pushing me to get married. And she was of the old school, you grow up, you get married, you have children, you live in a house with a white picket fence. And that's what I believe. So I worked hard at meeting someone and dating, going through this before the days of Tinder and, and dating apps, you know, back when we had the dating agencies. And that's how I actually met my now ex-husband and you know looking back now again to make a long story short I got married because I thought that's what I needed to do and part of me wanted it but I wanted it for the wrong reasons 
And so I stayed in the abusive marriage. I was miserable. I continued to lose myself because I wanted that attention because I hated myself so much at that time. I thought that being in this relationship, here was a man who wanted me. You know, I thought he, he said he loved me. He gave me attention, but it was all the wrong kind. And if I only had loved and accepted myself, I wouldn't have needed or wanted to stay with him and compromise myself the way I did. Mm, that that was deep. I mm-hmm. uh, I understand exactly because we get so caught up in the ideal that yes. we need to have this idea and ideal and that's what normal is. That's what exactly. other people are doing, and that's what like us fit in with the rest mm-hmm. of the world. And being unique is not necessarily when when it's been something for you that has been such a so uh, something to cast you out. Mm-hmm. It, it's not what you want. You want to be, you know, and, and I understand, you know, you in that when you, with all the self-hatred and stuff like that. And I, I realized this when I, when my husband was deployed, that there's so much false confidence that comes from marriage, especially mm-hmm. when you get married at a young age. Um, Cause I got married at 23 and don't get me wrong. I love my husband. He's great. But I, when he was gone, I realized like there was a lot of the the fact that I had confidence because it was because I had a husband. Right. Yes. Not from within. And I've, I've yes. worked since then to really build my confidence from within. Yes. And um, it, it, it was just something that I noticed like out, like I would, I would, I would compare myself to other women mm-hmm. when I would be out in public without him. Yes. Yes. But now I don't do that. Like I can look at a pretty woman and I'll be like, oh my God, she's so pretty. <laughs> like, like, and I mean, it's, yes. it's taken, it's taken time for me to do that. But at the same time, I, I understand what you're saying with like, you know, the, and it wasn't even like a self-hatred for me, but, but with the confidence, I, I yes. get that and how it wasn't really genuine confidence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a big difference. You know, the stereotype that women are supposed to be with a partner. And if a woman is single, there's something wrong with her. And for me, it was compounded because I already felt like there was something wrong with me with my craft and palette. So if I was single, well, then that was even more compounded and everybody would stare at me. And now I'm still single. And that's my choice. Uh, to be totally honest, I really haven't been on any dates. It's been going on actually 10 years and I've been single now. And for a couple of days here and there, I'm, I'm happy. I'm working on myself. I enjoy being single. And I don't feel the shame that I once felt before I got married where, oh my God, I'm single. Nobody wants me. I'm full of shame. I don't feel that anymore. And again, that's very liberating. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I am so happy for, for you for that. Now, I want to talk about Smile Train. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about Smile Train. Absolutely. So Smile Train is a global nonprofit organization, and they train medical professionals in undeveloped countries to perform cleft lip and palate surgery. So rather than some of the other organizations that bring missionary style, that bring the, the doctors into those countries, perform the surgeries and leave, Smile Train trains the doctors, nurses, and surgeons that are already in those hospitals. So the benefit is that a patient, whether it's a new baby or even an adult that is in that area that has a cleft lip and palate, 
can go to that hospital and get treated. They don't have to wait until the team of doctors are there. That, that resource that that uh, with repair uh, surgery is always available. And that's been really, really life-changing for so many people in these undeveloped countries that don't have the medical advancements that we have in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so um, I volunteer with Smile Team. I've been working with them now for four years. I volunteer on their Gluff Community Advisory Council, which is basically a committee. We help strengthen global communications and strengthen the Gluff community in the United States. I so, love it. And you've, mm-hmm. you've traveled to Colombia and where in Africa have you traveled? I went to Nairobi, Kenya. Oh. So that was actually my first trip with Mountain. It was in November of 2021, almost a year ago. Uh, yeah, almost a year ago now. And it was still an unforgettable event. We were there for about a week. We got to see uh, three different hospitals where they train the medical professionals, clinics that they established. They worked with the local staff. And we met some of the patients. Um, I met, you know, parents and adults, even adults that had an unrepaired cleft. They lived their whole life in these uh, rural communities and they didn't even know this existed and they were able to get their lip repaired and it was like a whole new life for them. I met some young children, young babies, and I also met the most memorable was 16-year-old Damaris. She was 16, lived about two hours away from the nearest hospital, very remote, mountaintop. I mean, very, she lived in a clay hut and very rural, very remote. No transportation really goes up that way. They heard about Smile Chain on the radio, so they made the trek into the town to get the surgery. And when I met her, it was about a year after her surgery. And she was just such the most wonderful girl to talk to. You know, we shared experiences of what it was like as a teenager with cleft lip before she had it repaired. And then after, she shared her dreams with me of wanting to go to beauty school and be a beautician and how she has so many more friends now because she's so confident. And she just smiled the whole time we were there. Uh, actually, there is a video on Smile Train's website where they did my in my post-trip interview. And there's videos of me interacting with her and, and kind of really sharing the experience of taking the last day we were there. Uh, so you go to the Smile Train website, you can talk around and find that video. And I'll also share the link with you. So you can post it in your show notes. I think it's so beautiful that you've turned your pain into such purpose and you find a way to help others in your community um, mm-hmm. from all over the world. Because I know you're yes. really big on um, having that community of other people with cleft lips and palates as well. Mm-hmm. You know, So you you all can uplift each other up and um, share stories and, you know, let, let each other know that you're not alone because you, in most cases, I feel like there's not really you, you, a lot of people with the same condition that you all have in your same vicinity. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. not like you go to school and everybody has it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Growing up, I didn't, I hardly saw anybody else with a cleft lip or a palate. And when I did, they were just as, as ashamed as I was. So they didn't want to talk about it either. And so, and I felt so alone and isolated because I was like, well, are my experiences unique to me? Does anybody else with this feel the same way? I just, I wanted so desperately to talk to someone with a cleft lip to just get that connection and say, okay, yes, I know what you're going through. And that moment actually happened to me. That was the one moment that really changed my life and put me on the path I am now was when 
not long after my mother died, I found a Facebook group of all just adults with a cleft on the palate. You know, just only adults, not parents, just adults only. So it was very specific, very unique. And in joining that group, I was able to share my experiences and also read the experiences of others and talk to others so we could connect and, and have a laugh over the trouble of maybe drinking from a store, blowing up a balloon, or knowing what it felt like to have another surgery, you know, planned. And that was really pivotal for me because I felt less alone and I had that connection and other people in the group felt the same way. They felt, okay, we finally found our tribe. That is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I'm, I'm so happy for you. Like you, you do so much and you're also an entrepreneur. So yes. share a little bit about your business. Yes. So I am a confidence and transformation coach and I work with clients specifically who have empowered or other facial differences to help them overcome the challenges that they're facing, whether it's social anxiety, confidence, talking, interacting with other people, self-acceptance, feeling the shame that I felt and not being able to accept themselves, feeling, trying to get that external approval from others and still worried about other people's opinions, but they, they find that it's holding them back. So they want to overcome that so they can live their full life and live to their true and authentic self. So I work with them to overcome those challenges and to help them be who they're meant to be and, and find their purpose and find their confidence. Wow. Your, your story is so inspiring and I love, and, and it's stripped in every single thing that you do. Um, the fact that you help um, communities that are underserved um, with your volunteer work and nonprofits. Like I, I love to volunteer. It's such a fulfilling um, activity that I do for myself. Um, and you're providing those services that you offer in, in a way, um, you know, being there, not, not at the same extent as a paying client would get, but you're mm-hmm. still providing um, so much to those people, you know, through your time, you know, you yes. speaking life into them because you know what you it's one thing like representation matters and mm-hmm. it matters in so many different areas of life. It's not just seeing a woman on stage or seeing, you know, but in every community, seeing someone as successful as you with in, with their same condition and be like, you know what, because she did, I can too. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what you give to people. And I mean, the work that you do, I mean, and honestly, like talking to you, like, I'm like going through like the things that we did in the beginning of this podcast. I'm just like, how did you, like, I have my own ways of doing these things, but (laughs) the fact that you can address like the people pleasing, the, the identity shift that you made to really finding your identity and loving yourself, genuinely loving yourself, um, that's that's huge. And and the fact that you teach other people to do that as well after having years of mm-hmm. self-hatred towards themselves. And that, that might not be the case in everybody's situation, but helping them build that confidence, helping them step into who they were were intended to be and becoming the best versions of themselves. Um that is so, so beautiful. Um so, you know, thank you. Thank you. And I'm so honored to have you on and have you sharing all of this and you know, I learned, you know, I learned some stuff. I really, like, it really gave me the difference between need and want. That mm-hmm. really gave me that new reminder of that. Yes. Um, 
and that's in anything that's in your diet that's mm-hmm. in <laughs> yes. that's in people for sure. Yes. yes. And and knowing like when and, and I'm gonna I think I'm gonna start asking myself that question too. Like it whenever I catch myself like comparing, because that's what I'm really guilty of. Yeah. I'm like, do I really need need what they have or do I mm-hmm. just want it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's it's applicable to every part of our life, to finances, to money. Yeah, we all want millions of dollars, but do we need it to survive? And is it and and is it worth the chase to get what we want? And if it is, that's okay. There's no judgment here. The way I look at it is just, just to get clarity over your mission and what you're doing and how you're acting, but always to just be hundred percent true to yourself and realizing that if you go after what you want. That's great, but there might also be consequences. That's something that I was just talking to someone about the other day is that, you know, you can go after what you want, but that might also have long-term consequences, might have short-term consequences. I mean, you can't go ahead and and rob a bank and seven years down the line, not expect there to still be consequences from it just because you wanted to rob a bank seven years ago when maybe you were young and didn't know any better. You know, that's going to follow you for the rest of your life. So that's also something to think about too. You know, if I overeat now, which is something I know a lot of us struggling with confidence may also struggle with weight or body issues. If I overeat now, is it, you know, am I prepared to accept the consequences of that long-term weight gain? or anything and and for me it was about the acceptance of other people you know I want their acceptance and am I willing to compromise myself to get that and once I realized that compromising myself felt terrible and it wasn't worth it I said no I don't want their approval I don't want their acceptance that bad that I'm willing to compromise myself and that's mm-hmm. probably some of the reasons why I, I'm still single as I just uh, I'll be honest, a lot of it is still fear. You know, after coming off a 10-year marriage and being single for so long, there's a lot of fear in, the, in going back to dating. But it's also, do I want to be in a relationship again and then have to give up the lifestyle that I have now and that freedom? And so, and that might change in a couple of years. It might not. But getting really clear on what you want helps you with your everyday actions, even your long-term goals. My husband and I just did vision boards together. So yeah, <laughs> getting like long-term, short-term goals. We're all about it. I really like what you said. Am I willing to compromise myself to get that? Mm-hmm. That's, That's the biggest thing. Really good question to mm-hmm. continue, to ask yourself in not just, you know, relationships, but in every area of life. Like Christine, I've learned so much <laughs> from you in this, in this short time span. I'm, I'm so grateful um, you know, to share space with you. Um, cause this was, this was very, very, um, impactful. And mm-hmm. it's like, you are one thing I think we didn't touch on that. I really want to, before you go is getting out of your comfort zone. Yes. I know it's to get where you are today. You had to take steps to get out of your comfort zone in so many different areas. Mm-hmm. Yes. What advice would you give to somebody when it comes to taking that that first step? Oh, wow. The first thing is make sure you have a good support system, whether it is a therapist, you're working with a coach like myself, you have friends, and it can be all of the above. I had a really good support system and I had a very, I had a fabulous therapist and I had friends, you know, who supported me. I had actually family 
when I was going through my divorce, that was the first big comfort zone because I had to initiate the divorce, especially because my ex-husband was abusive. There was a lot of fear. And I remember thinking my biggest thing, and this is where I really realized how much I compromised myself. I kept saying I didn't want to divorce him because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. And I think back now, and I think, you know, here's someone that put me through 10 years of misery, but I was concerned about his feelings. And that's how much I lost myself. So the push through that fear of the shame and hurting his feelings, I had to look within and, you know, lean on my support system, my sister who said, you know, it's not healthy for you. My therapist who gave me the confidence and the support to go ahead and figure out what I really wanted and what was important to me and realize that I come first. I, you know, I am worth it and I am worth getting what I want and then getting clear on what I wanted and making sure what I wanted was for the right reasons. So once I realized all of that, I just said, okay, I know what I want. I know what's what's best for me. Got to push through the fear, take a deep breath and kind of jump in with both feet. And I also thought, once the fourth second happened, I was in a safe place. I was no longer physically near him. I was hours away. And I was safe enough where the worst second happened is he might probably abuse me. He might come and try to find me. That's what, you know, public services are for, security, whatever else. So once I also realized that, the worst that can happen from pushing out of my comfort zone, it helped, it made it a little bit easier. And again, it was the support of my family, my sister, and my friends, and, and the other social support I had that helped me realize, you know, identify those fears, and then say, okay, you know, this is the worst that can happen. I can live with that, and I can, and it's worth it to go through that. I love that you started with the support system because mm -hmm. so many times we think that it's so built on just us mm -hmm. and it's not, we need people, we need people in our corner. And if you're not willing to talk about these things and be open about these things, then you'll remain stuck. So first step is having that support system and then truly identifying what you really want. Absolutely. And, yes. I, and, I, and acknowledging and realizing that what you want is possible for you. Mm -hmm. I think the, one of the biggest things that I see with people when it comes to shifting, um, we call it generational curses, but it's really generational habits mm -hmm. is realizing that something different is better and, and, and better is an option for you that you yes. don't have to be like everybody else around you. Like you can go after what you really want. Um, and it helps to surround yourself with people like that in your support system too, just, you know, but yes. we got to realize and acknowledge that it is possible for us. And then ask yourself, what's the best, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Yes. Yes. Ah, well, Christine, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, just to keep believing in yourself and realize that anything is possible. I'm always available. If anybody wants to, you know, just meet me, find me on social media, send me a DM, see how I can help them. They are free to do that. If you visit my website, I have a free download of how to be comfortable in your own skin. It's a great ebook, building self-acceptance, self-confidence, and it has a lot of journal prompts. So it's not just for someone with a facial difference, for anyone that's unhappy with their appearance or accepting themselves and their body. And it's, you know, generally for everyone. So uh, that's on my website, christineerico.com. Otherwise, just keep believing in yourself and realize that you are worth
Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christine. And guys, as mentioned before, all of her links are in the show notes and description below. Thank you. Thank you so much, Olivia. I hope you have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.